Praise the Lord. Pastor Jason is getting a much-needed rest, and we thank God for him to be able to get away. And we also thank God for uh, Brother Juet and his wife just been able to uh, be here with us tonight and encourage us and to worship the Lord and to help us in that regard. Uh, before I share the thought that God's put in my heart for all of us, I do want to pray. Uh, Pastor Tom, I'm going to ask you if you would prepare to help us and lead us in a moment, but listen to God's word. Make thankfulness your sacrifice to God. When we are in trouble, thankfulness becomes difficult sometimes for us. We're so conditioned to be thankful and to even elevate our thankfulness when things are going well or when we're blessed. But when we're in trouble, when we find ourselves in difficulty, then thankfulness becomes what the Bible says, a sacrifice. You have to put aside how you're feeling and, and, and go by faith and enter into his presence with thanksgiving because he is a good God, because he has blessed us beyond measure. So the Bible says, make thankfulness your sacrifice to God. Then call upon me when you're in trouble and I will rescue you and you will give me glory. Make thankfulness your sacrifice. Then call upon me when you're in trouble and I will rescue you. We've got a number of calls and, and prayer requests that have come in online uh, where a uh, number of saints are battling cancer, one battling brain cancer, a couple of battling breast cancer, uh, others that are, have other physical ailments, blood disorders, and so forth. Maybe you yourself tonight need a healing touch from God. There's trouble that's in your body. Maybe you know a loved one that has trouble in their body. They, they, they need God to bring deliverance, healing uh, tonight through this precious blood of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to encourage you before we even uh, lift up our voices and ask God to bless uh, and to heal. Can we take a few moments just to be thankful tonight, to do what the Bible says, to sacrifice, thank offering. Aren't you grateful that there is a throne of grace that we can approach tonight? Aren't you grateful that it's the blood of Jesus that gives us entrance into the very throne of God? That it doesn't, it's not based upon your merit, my merit. It's not based upon your eloquence or my eloquence, but it's based upon what Christ did on the cross of Calvary. I'm so thankful tonight. I'm so grateful for his precious blood. I'm so grateful for his grace and his mercy. Oh, we thank you tonight, Lord. Before we lift up our hearts in prayer, we want to do what your word teaches us to do, God. We want to begin with thankfulness. We want to make thankfulness our sacrifice tonight, oh God. We know that there are a lot of needs tonight, oh God. Some that are quite pressing, but God, we still want to take that moment to honor you you first with the fruit of our lips. We've been singing about it, Lord. We've been uh, lifting up our hands about it, God. And even now, we want to continue by thanking you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. 
Thank you for your grace. Thank you that your ear is inclined to the cries of your children tonight. Thank you, Lord, that we can stand tonight on the promises of your word and know that you hear us, not because of the eloquence of our words, oh God, but because of the faithfulness of your promises, oh God, that never fail. We thank you tonight, God. We bless you tonight, Lord. Hallelujah. Great is our God and greatly to be praised. Great is our God and greatly to be praised. We exalt you tonight. We exalt you tonight. We exalt you tonight. We exalt you tonight, oh God. Hallelujah. Thank you for the precious blood that ushers us into your very presence, oh God, before your very throne of grace, oh God. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, we call upon your name now, Lord. Come on, you know that somebody's in trouble? If you know somebody's in trouble, lift up your voice now and begin to call upon the name of the Lord. Let's stand tonight on that promise. Call upon me when you are in trouble and I will rescue you. Hallelujah. Come on, church, call upon his name. Those of you who are with us online, call upon the name of the Lord. You find yourself in trouble, call upon his name. Someone that you love is in physical uh, ailment of one form or another, call upon his name. We thank you that you are the God that heals. We thank you that you are the God that heals. We thank you that you are the God that heals. And so we call upon your name, Father. We call upon your name tonight, oh God. We, we do what your word says. We cry out to you in the day of trouble, oh God. Because many of our loved ones are sick, oh God. Many of our loved ones are battling a disease of one form or another, oh God. Some affliction in their body. We call upon your name today, oh God. We call upon the name of Jesus Christ tonight. And we pray, oh God, for miracles to be released from heaven tonight. We pray for miracles to be released tonight. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Pastor Tom, if you would come and join me. Hallelujah, we call upon your name, oh God. You're the God that heals from cancer. You're the God that heals high blood pressure. You're the God that heals diabetes. You're the God that heals heart disease. God, we call upon your name. We call upon your name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's agree with Pastor Tom as he makes his way on the platform and lifts up his voice tonight. Healing, divine healing to flow from heaven's throne tonight into the hearts and lives of those that we know and love. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Oh, God. God, we call upon your name tonight, Lord God. Lord, we don't come, Lord, based on our own merits, oh God. For, Lord, we know, God, that, Lord, it is by you, Lord, that we are able to be touched, oh God, and to be changed, Lord. God, we know, Father, that there are many, Lord, who are afflicted tonight, oh God. Lord, who have taken on disease, Lord, from one form or another, oh God. Lord, who uh, tonight, God, are facing, Lord, obstacles, Lord, in their body, God. But Father, we look to you, God, Lord, the great physician, Lord. God, we pray that you would pour, God, out of your power, oh God, 
a change upon their lives, O oh God. Quicken them by your power, O oh God. Cause them to be touched, O oh God. Cause them to be healed, O oh God. Cause them to be whole once again, O oh God. Father, we thank you, Lord, that there is more than enough with you, O oh God. Lord, there is no shortcoming, O oh God. Father, we thank you, God, that, Lord, doctors and nurses, God, can help, Lord. But we know that divine health and healing comes from you, O oh God. So, Father, we thank you, Lord, tonight, God. Touch your people, God. Bring them into health, God, once again. Cause them, O oh Lord, to rise up from their sickbed tonight, O oh God. And Lord, may they, God, experience, Lord, your divine touch, O oh God. In such a powerful way, God. Oh, God, we thank you, Lord, for all that you're going to do, God. Raise them up, O oh God. Heal, God. Oh, God, cause them, Lord, to be able to jump, O oh God. To be able to shout for joy, O oh God. For, Lord, we thank you, God, that, Lord, in you there is more than enough, O oh God. There is no shortcoming, O oh God. So, Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are going to do a mighty work, O oh God. And we will give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Blessed be his wonderful name. Blessed be his wonderful name. What's your name, sister? Can you know, what's your name? Emily. Emily just asked me if we could pray for her tonight. She has a problem uh, with her vocal cords. Uh, so she's asking for the power to be able to speak again. Total healing in the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, Father, if I want you to just go and uh, lay your hands on her while I go and, and lift up my heart. Father, in the name of Jesus. We come before you and we lift up your daughter Emily before you, God. You know the ailment that's upon her physical body right now around her vocal cords, oh God. You know her concern of, of not being able to speak. God, I pray right now for the power of the Holy Spirit to come upon her to touch whatever ailment is afflicting her vocal cords, her throat, Father. We pray for nothing less than a total healing so that the name that's above every other name, the name of Jesus Christ, would be lifted high and glorified, Lord. We promise to give you all the praise, all the glory, and the honor. May it be so in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen and amen in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Listen, there's all kinds of trouble that we want to pray for tonight. Because it's not just a physical problem. There are many who are struggling financially and who are in trouble financially, who still haven't recuperated because of the pandemic. Some still haven't been able to find uh, employment. And uh, I thank God for the assistance the government has given so thus far. But again, our ultimate trust is in the Lord, the promise of his word that if we call upon him when we are in trouble, he will rescue us. He will rescue us. That means 
He will open up a door financially that isn't open right now. He'll make a way where there hasn't been a way right now. Our God, who provided manna every day for his people, can supply everything that we need. Blessed be his wonderful name. Father, I lift up my voice tonight on behalf of everyone who is struggling uh, with finances tonight, God. Some who are still unemployed, oh God. Some who have uh, only moderate employment. Whatever it might be, God, you know the financial trouble that many of us are in, that many of us are experiencing right now. And we've looked to the left and we've looked to the right and we don't see anything open, oh God. There are no doors that are being opened right now, oh God. There doesn't seem to be a way to make it out of this financial situation. But I thank you for the promise of your word. I thank you tonight that we can stand upon this word, oh God, that in the day of trouble, if we would call upon you, you will rescue us. Thank you for that promise, oh God. Now I pray, Father, rescue my brother, rescue my sister, rescue that family, oh God. Rescue them, oh God, from their financial uh, woes, oh God, from their financial situ crisis, oh God. We believe that there is a God in heaven that can make a way where there is no way right now. We believe that there's a God in heaven who still hears and answers prayer. Uh, a God who parts the waters as it were. A God who sends down rain, oh God, when there's famine. A God that can bless in the midst of a famine. Bless, bless, bless your children, we pray, Father. And again, as your scripture declares, we will give you the praise. We will give you the glory and we'll give you the honor. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen and amen. Would you put your hands together for Jesus right now? Yeah. Blessed be his name. Blessed be his name. Here's the, 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 the word of the Lord for us tonight. It uh, comes in the form of just reminding us, if you will, challenging us to stay on this right path that we have chosen to walk on. I'm going to be, read from the Gospel of Matthew. I'm going to look at chapter 21. And I'm going to read about 11 verses, so stay with me. I'm beginning in verse 33. This is Jesus speaking. Now listen to another story. A certain landowner planted a vineyard built a wall around it, dug a pit for pressing out the grape juice, and built a lookout tower. Then he leased the vineyard to tenants, farmers, and moved to another country. At, that, at the time of the grape harvest, he sent servants to collect his share of the crop. But the farmers grabbed his servants, beat one, killed one, and stoned another. So the landowner sent a larger group of his servants to collect for him, but the results were the same. Finally, the owner sent his son, thinking, surely they will respect my son. But when the tenant farmers saw his son coming, they said to one another, here comes the heir to this estate. Come on, let's kill him and get the estate for ourselves. So they grabbed him dragged him out of the vineyard, and murdered him. 
When the owner of the vineyard returns, Jesus asked, what do you think he will do to those farmers? The religious leaders reply, he will put the wicked men to a horrible death and lease the vineyard to others who will give him his share of the crop after each harvest. Jesus then asked them, didn't you ever read in the scriptures that the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone? This is the Lord's doing, and it is wonderful to see. I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a nation that will produce the proper fruit. Anyone who stumbles over that stone will be broken to pieces, and it will crush anyone it falls on. Now, Jesus here is talking, obviously, to the religious leaders, and he's giving them a story or a parable, depending on your translation, which a parable just is simply an earthly story that has a spiritual meaning to it. And so Jesus tells them this parable about this owner of a vineyard uh, that he uh, built this whole vineyard and then he leased it out, but with the expectation that when the harvest time came, he would receive his share of the fruit from the harvest as the owner. But as he sent each del a delegate from him, a representative to collect his share, each time they were killed, and ultimately when he sent his own son, they killed him as well. And so now the, Jesus asked the religious leaders, well, what do you think the owner is going to do when they kill his son? And of course, they, well, they're going to have a horrible death, and then he's going to take the, the, uh, the, the ownership away from them uh, and then give it to someone that's more worthy. And then Jesus now he responds by quoting the 118th Psalm. If you're taking notes, just write down Psalm 118, verses 22 through 23, where uh, Jesus quotes this Psalm that the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And the Lord has done this, and it's marvelous in our eyes, as another translation says. And so, the religious leaders now obviously rejected the stone. That's what killing the son was all about, the rejection of the son. And this word here in the Greek that, that we've translated re, uh, rejected means to disapprove and therefore refuse. In other words, th there's an examination done and the examination is found lacking or wanting. You disapprove of what you've examined and therefore you reject it. You refuse to accept it. They rejected the stone who is Christ, Jesus Christ. And even though they rejected the stone, Jesus said that that stone has actually become the cornerstone. Now the cornerstone, so for those of you who uh, need a little bit of, uh, of explanation, when you are constructing a building, the first brick that's laid in the corner, that's called the cornerstone. 
That's the first brick that's laid, and then every brick that's laid after that is laid in reference to that first stone. That's why it's called the cornerstone. So you put that uh, brick on the corner, and then the next brick and the next brick on the side of it and on top of it, everything flows thereafter as a result of that first brick that's laid, the cornerstone. It's the first stone that's set and that all other stones are built on and off of. Are you following me so far? So Jesus called himself the cornerstone. Just Now let's make the connection for all of us here tonight to say, what is God reminding us tonight of as we are looking at this portion of scripture? A couple of thoughts. Number one, listen. God expects a harvest of kingdom fruit. It's important we recognize God expects a harvest of kingdom fruit. Notice that the, the owner of the vineyard was coming uh, at harvest time and he is looking for his share of the harvest, of the crop. There is a crop of kingdom fruit that God expects from every single one of us. And by kingdom fruit, if you're taking notes, you write down Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. There we find the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness, self-control, uh, and so forth. They're, they are called, classified as the fruit of the Spirit, also known as the fruit of the kingdom of heaven. Then there is kingdom fruit that's found in Philippians chapter 1, verse 11, if you're taking note. There, it is called the fruit of righteousness, whereby we have to, we, the fruit of righteousness is produced when we are living right by God's standard. You know, there's a different forms of righteousness. There's man's righteousness, and then there's the righteousness of God. Oftentimes we confuse the two and we think that we are ha uh, we live, it's okay to live by what we feel is right to live by. But oftentimes what we feel is right is contrary to God's word and therefore contrary to God's righteousness. So we need to produce. God is constantly looking for the production of this harvest, this, the fruit of the, of the kingdom, kingdom fruit that is both the character of, of the Spirit of God, love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness, self-control, etc., and righteousness whereby now that is demonstrated by how we live, how we conduct ourselves, the things that we are saying. Are we saying the right things? Are we doing the right things? So we're talking about internal character as well as outward living. Are you with me so far? That is kingdom fruit, and that is, number one, that God expects a harvest of kingdom fruit from your life and from my life. God is ever looking for, he's ever expecting this harvest of kingdom fruit from our lives. The second thought I came to my heart is that this, this kingdom fruit is produced when Christ is our cornerstone. You cannot produce kingdom fruit without Jesus Christ being your cornerstone. Let me explain what the, again, Jesus being the cornerstone. I'm going to read from Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 17. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. 
He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. This portion of scripture declares the, the, the awesomeness, the supremacy of Jesus Christ, that through him, God the Father created everything, everything you and I can see and everything we can't see. And that's talking about the spirit realm, uh, the, the angels, the demons, all of that was created by God the Father through Jesus Christ the Son. And I want you to notice how it finishes it up and that they exist through him, he holds it all together. Everything in creation is held together by Jesus Christ, meaning there's the, the structure that it all has, the form that it all has. There would be utter chaos without Jesus Christ holding it all together. And so here's the kingdom principle I want to leave with you tonight. And that is that Jesus Christ is the cornerstone of creation. Now, how does that apply to you and I? How does Jesus Christ become our cornerstone? Remember, the cornerstone is the first stone laid and everything else is built off of that. And so when Jesus Christ comes first, in everything, when he's first, number one in your life, when every aspect of our life is built on, around Jesus Christ, then kingdom fruit is produced in and through our life. In other words, brothers and sisters, what I'm talking about tonight and what the Holy Spirit wants to remind us about is Jesus Christ must be the cornerstone of our life if you and I are to bear kingdom fruit. That means he has to be number one in our life. He has to come first. Jesus has to come first before my wife. Jesus has to come first before my husband. Jesus has to come first before my children. Jesus has to come first before my career. Jesus has to come first before my dreams and my aspirations. Jesus has to be the first stone laid in your life. And everything else has to get built around that. So what does that mean, Pastor? Well, it means before you add a stone, you have to ask the Lord, does this go here, God? Uh-oh. Well, but, but this is how I want to build my life. You don't get to be the architect of this building. Only Jesus can say what stone gets laid next to his. See, the problem we have is where we stop bearing kingdom fruit is when we want to start building our own kingdom. 
We want to start building our own house. We start laying, I want this in my life. I want this in my life. And how many know, when we start building our own life, boy, our structure gets real shaky really fast. And when the storm comes, it crashes. Why? Because the Bible said it wasn't built on the rock. See, Jesus won't allow you to build on, on him that which is contrary to the purpose of God. And so the, the scripture is reminding us tonight that Jesus Christ, listen to our kingdom principle, he's the cornerstone of creation. Therefore, remember we've been talking about this, these kingdom principles means this is how the kingdom of God is structured and this is how our life must be structured in order to please God and to have a life that's blessed by God. And so this kingdom principle means since Jesus holds everything together, well, if I want him to hold my life together, then he's got to be my cornerstone. See, we, we want Jesus to hold our life together without being the cornerstone. I don't want Jesus to be first. I want to be first. I want to be the one that decides what bricks get laid and where how things are structured in my life. I want to be able to decide that. You cannot bear kingdom fruit without Jesus Christ being your cornerstone. Because when he's not, you become just like the religious leaders. And what did they do? They killed Jesus. Oh, yeah. Oh, but I would never do that, Pastor. Yeah, you do. We all do. The moment we rebel against Christ being our cornerstone, the moment we take that position that we want to be through the building, we kill the spirit of Christ in us. We kill the, the kingship of Christ in us. And the third point I want to leave with you, because it, I, it's right that we take at least a look at this and mention it for a moment here, and that is, this is the third point. There are consequences to rejecting the cornerstone. There are consequences, yeah. When we get like the religious leaders, we disapprove of, of, of Jesus building our life. We disapprove of structuring our life around Jesus Christ and what he desires and what he has purposed for our life. When we refuse to yield to his purpose, to his will, Jesus said two things will happen. The first thing he says is when this rock falls on you, or you fall on this rock, it will break you to pieces, right? Let's go back to our scripture. Let me find that for you. Uh, let's see. Let me get that. I get the right verse here. Uh, verse 44. Could you, Jonathan, could you give us verse 44? Jesus said, anyone who stumbles over that stone will be broken to pieces. When we reject the cornerstone, when we reject Christ structuring our life and building our life around Jesus being first, then what winds up happening is our life gets broken to pieces. Everything begins to fall apart. 
And it can fall apart, first and foremost, spiritually. And you wonder why you may be struggling spiritually. Here's a good place to begin taking an inventory. Is Jesus Christ my cornerstone? Is he the cornerstone of my life? Is he first in everything? Is he the one that I structure my whole life around and embrace what he has purposed and planned for it? If not, don't be surprised then if your life is falling apart spiritually and even physically. There are times that there are things that affect us emotionally, mentally, that have their roots, their origin in our disobedience and our rejection of the cornerstone. And ultimately, listen to what he said. And it will crush anyone it falls on. See, when you stumble over this, your life falls to pieces. But if it falls upon you, it will totally crush you. Now, what does that mean? This is talking about when Christ returns. See, when Jesus returns, everyone who does not have him as the cornerstone in their life, then that stone will fall upon them and crush them totally. There will be no hope at that moment. There will be no time to say, okay, God, I'll get it right this time. What this is talking about is uh, ultimately it's going to crush us on the day of judgment. On the day of judgment. There is a day coming, brothers and sisters, where we are all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. See, sometimes Christians forget that. We think that only sinners, unbelievers, are going to stand and be judged by God. No, no, no. All creation will be judged by God. Every human being will be judged. You will be judged. I will be judged. We'll all stand before the great judge. And what we don't want is that day for this cornerstone to crush us. Now is the time to recognize I need to get my plate, my life together. I need to get my act together. I need to come to a point where Christ comes first in everything. And when, when, when I, every aspect of my life is built on and around Jesus Christ, what does he desire? When I allow my life to be structured in that format, then I begin to develop kingdom fruit. Then the father comes and he says, I got my share of the harvest in you. I see that. I see the fruit that you have. And we, you can see it all over the Gospels, the constant exhortation about bearing fruit, the importance of bearing fruit. I mean, you read, go home and read John chapter 15 where Jesus said, every branch that doesn't bear fruit, my, my father cuts it off and throws it into the fire. What is he talking about? Again, that end time where all of a sudden the father doesn't see this kingdom fruit and then there's judgment. May God help us tonight to consecrate ourselves. That's what this whole thought is all about. Uh, if you can come to I know you were singing a song before about uh, surrendering all to the Lord. And some, I, I, those are not the exact words, but I think you know which one you're talking about. I want to sing that again. Because it's all about, are we willing to set ourselves apart for God? Are we willing to have Jesus Christ be the cornerstone of our life.
It's a lot easier said than lived. But if we declare it in our spirit, we can get the grace we need to live it. Would you say amen to that? Come on, stand with me tonight.